0: This is the Game Changers experience. Deep dive conversations with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete,
1: author, and public speaker, Adam Strong.
0: Hello, everybody, and a welcome to the Game Changers Experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today, we have an amazing guest here on the show, someone that I absolutely love in terms of her being and her authenticity. We originally met on Clubhouse as for some of the other guests that we've had here on the uh, on the podcast. And um, we hang out a lot on clubhouse rooms and we share similar content and some and we have some and what I love about Justine is that she's very opinionated. Right, I love I love opinionated guests, but also very knowledgeable in what she does. She really she really comes from a place of um, caring for others before she thinks about herself. So I really that's a really great trait to have. So who have we got on the show? Well, I just mentioned her. Her name is Justine Justine Beauregard, and Justine is a creative business strategist for entrepreneurs and small business owners like you guys. And uh, her big thing is all about putting people first before profits, which is what I love. Uh, she's a speaker. She has sco- scaled multiple businesses seven, fi- seven to eight figures and beyond. Uh, she writes for Entrepreneur magazine, and she's raised over a million dollars for educational non for profits, which I which I absolutely love. She's also a podcast podcast host called Ask the Marketing Expert. So what are the things that we're going to be talking about today, ladies and gents? Well, we're going to be talking about Justine's zone of genius because we love using that word zone of genius, right? Rather than kind of USP. It's far more sexy. Um, We're going to be talking (laughs) a little bit about holistic versus tactical marketing. Uh, We'll give you a little bit more kind of like depth as to what that looks like. Uh, We're also going to be talking a little bit about how to work out your cost per lead, because I don't know about you, but if you're a business owner, whatever gets managed gets, uh, whatever gets measured gets managed. but how do we really work that out? From a marketing and uh, budgetary perspective, we're also going to be talking a little bit about organic versus paid, but we'll also be talking a little bit about more around how to be more human when it comes to your your marketing strategy and tactics. So without further ado, Justine, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here. I always love spending time with you.
0: Ah, that's so kind. Well, I'm glad you do. And I know that our listeners do as well. So um, so that's kind of cool. But, you know, it's interesting how, um, you know, I suppose in a way our, uh, I suppose friendship has really kind of like flowered over the last 18 months, you know, and even though we've kind of like been in and out, you know, especially on clubhouse rooms and stuff like that. It's just kind of interesting. We share very core, uh, similar core values. And, um, you know, and I, I, I'm i as big a fan of, of you that, as you are of me. So I just want to say that.
1: Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, I love that we have one of those instant connection friendships where we could go two months without talking to each other. And it's like, no time has passed. It's wonderful
0: <laughs> absolutely so um now I know that you've been in the world of you have you first started up your first business at the age of six if I'm not mistaken is that right
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes I'm a cool 21 right now <laughs> <laughs> no I so I've been in the marketing world I've been a marketer and a sales trainer for about 15 years and I started my business in 2014 so it's been about eight years
0: nice very cool yeah. very cool were you one of the um were you one of the uh the the young girls that used to sell uh lemonade at the lemonade stand for the girl scouts girl scouts and the girl guides
1: i was not a girl scout but i was an entrepreneur from a young age so i joke that i started as an entrepreneur when i was about 5 or 6 years old i would put on puppet shows in my backyard and we would make sock puppets and my mom was super artistic so there were always like buttons and paints around the house and we would make these <laughs> sock puppets And I would charge $5 admission, even for my family. No one got a discount (laughs) and they would come to the shows. I would totally entertain them, but I sold lemonade, friendship bracelets. I made homemade purses. I would go to (laughs) little outlet stores and buy fabrics and make these purses and sell them for $20 at school. And people would buy them in jewelry, all sorts of stuff. I always had a business.
0: It sounded like you're a right little hustler when you were younger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's stopped. You know, like I just love bringing a smile to people's faces and when I see a need or a gap somewhere, I'm like, I can fill that. I can do that. I can bring joy to people and help them and change their life. So why not do it?
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. I love a good story to uh, to start to start the show um as we as we kind of crack on. So, um marketing, bit of a minefield. I mean, it could go into many different things, couldn't it? It could go into Uh, email marketing, we could do social media marketing. I mean, marketing is such a huge thing. Um, But I really wanted to focus specifically on, on the human element of marketing, right? Because I feel like over the last couple of years, specifically, I feel like a lot of us have really lost that human element of, you know, connecting with our audience and stuff like that. So let's get straight into the nitty gritty of today's conversation, which is all about the the human, you know, using that human element of us uh, and connecting with our audience. Um, from your perspective, what is that? What does that mean to you? You know, when we look at kind of the human element versus maybe kind of a more of a robotic tactic, if you like.
1: Yeah. So it's interesting that you say you love stories because I'll tell you a quick one. Um, going through a rebrand right now, working with a brilliant copywriter. And as we did these voice of customer interviews, which I would recommend anyone do when they're going through a rebrand, hear from your customers, ask really intentional questions, one of my long-term clients came back and said, what is the most important thing that you notice about working with Justine? And you would think most people would say, she's made me a lot of money. She's helped me strategize. She's helped improve my processes, whatever. And I have done all those things for this client. That's why she's still with me. But what she said was, she sees me and that's important, like really sees me. And I think that is such, it's such a core value that we share. And it's, it's something that I really prioritize and it's a skill like anything else, you know, you show up online and something shifts when you're trying to sell something, when you're like moving into this place of like, I'm not just, like picture you just bought a new iPhone. Mm. You have no problem just like running around to all of your friends. Let me take your photo. Let me tell you about this iPhone. Look at all the things that I can get on this that I didn't get on my last one. And you're like selling the crap out of that iPhone to everyone you meet, like random people at the store you're selling it to. And when you start to talk about your own business, there is this kind of deep-rooted fear that if someone says no to your business or your offer, they're saying no to you. And you take that on as like, I don't want to be rejected. I don't want people to not like me. You know, we're social creatures. And so we get into this weird place, like if I disconnect from me, Mm. then I'm putting sort of like a safety barrier in place when I show up and market myself. So if someone says no, I'm like, they said no, because of the offer, not because of me. But I think learning how to kind of disconnect from the embodiment of that no back to you and just being like, no, this is my brand. I'm the person behind it. If they say no, I want to know why I want to get better. I'm okay hearing that no, so that I can kind of level up. And I think, you know, another thing people do, which you kind of touched upon is really focus on like these laser tactics which is how do i send an e newsletter or how do i show up on instagram or how many times a day should i post like all of these things are very tactical on the ground like the how yep. but people don't take that 10,000 foot view and look at the holistic like what journey do i desire to take my customer on and to what end and how do i do that in a really intentional Way that feels like me, so it's kind of like the human and the holistic strategic approach.
0: You know, I was going to say to you, you you brought up a really good point there because one thing that uh um, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs and leaders out there that they're always looking for uh, a know how to do something, and and in reality, the information is actually out there. You know, if you go into Google or go to YouTube or you know you 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 know. The, the information is pretty much out there and I feel like a lot of people are still seeking like you know whether it be a cookie, uh, a cookie cutter strategy whether it be a shortcut or whatever it might be but I feel like a lot of people are really missing the trick here um, and interestingly enough and there was something that I was going to say to you actually um, not with regards to the cookie cutter but what I was going to say to you is because marketing is such a big, massive minefield and, you know, is what is it that they, what is it that our listeners should really do first before they even contemplating on tactics before anything else? Cause I know I am a big fan of um, thinking about, you know uh, the, why, you know, why is it that we do what we do, right?
1: Yes. When you
0: have a client that comes to you know what is the um i suppose what 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 is some of the things that they have to go through in terms of like steps before they you even talk about tactics is there anything that you speak about that
1: oh my gosh yes i love this question so (laughs) first definitely what you said the why sort of the mission the vision and the values of the brand Mm -hmm. is paramount because when times get challenging which they will it's inevitable And you're showing up and you're putting in 100%, you're getting nothing back or very little back, it can be very disheartening. And so instead of thinking about just the dollars you're looking to create or even even the difference that you're looking to make, you have to have internal drivers. You have to have like that compass that's going to guide you where you want to go. So let's just say that your vision is to like Google. Google's Mm -hmm. vision is to provide Anything anyone could ever dream of in terms of information in a single click, that's their vision. They're never going to do it in a single click for every piece of information. And that's the point, right? Like that they want to aspire to that. So if you are showing up every day and it's five clicks to get to the information, And people are not doing the clicking in the way that you intended them to do it. And so it's taking them actually seven clicks. And you're noticing, like, people are unhappy or they're not showing up as much because they're not getting the result. As Google, you would be like, I need to get them there in one click. They're actually trending backward. They're not getting there in the five clicks I've designed it to do. They're getting there in seven clicks and they're getting disheartened. So instead of me being disheartened with what I'm lacking or what they're not doing, I'm like, how do I get them from seven to one? Like now there's even more work to do to bridge this gap. So I have to show up even more. I have to ask even better questions. I have to redesign this to be even more intuitive and helpful. And so you're coming at it from this place of like, it's almost an impossible get, Mm. like you've got this big dream that you're chasing. And after that, after you decide, like, this is my mission that's guiding me. And these are my vision and my, and my values, then you have to have the best offer possible that you can make, Mm. because that is the biggest difference between, you know, people think you've got a niche down. I don't teach that. I actually don't believe you need to niche down. What I believe is that if your offer is insane, if it's so good, you're like, I have like almost picture, I was talking to a one-on-one client yesterday and I said, picture there's every single person around you has a door next to them. They're walking around with this locked door. You have the master key to those doors. Every single one of them you can open. It would be a disservice For you to not walk up to that person who's trying to open this door, like pulling on it with all their might and can't get it open, and just go boop and unlock it and they walk right in. (laughs) Like the more you can do that, the better off you are. But your offer needs to be the acknowledgement that you have the key. And so when you go and sell the crap out of that new iPhone, like with ease, that's because it's an irresistible offer. But if you're not loving the price, if you're not clear on the benefits, if you don't have everything wrapped up. So when someone says, what do you do? What do you sell? Why is it amazing? And you don't feel like it's an absolute steal. You're not going to sell it. Mm. And you're not going to sell it nearly as well or nearly as often as you would something that you do feel that way about. So those are the first two steps I would tell anyone to take.
0: You know, um, I think you've uh, really gave them, given some great golden nuggets. The other thing I was going to ask you is, in terms of belief, because I'm sure that there are clients that have come to you where they may feel, I don't know, a little bit incompetent or inexperienced with regards to marketing. I guess one of the things that, from your, from my perspective, is how where does belief come in this? Like, you know... in which step? Does it come right at the beginning? Does it come in the middle? What's your thoughts on that? And what advice do you give for people with regards to about belief?
1: I think you have to focus on what you have, not what you lack. And that's a struggle when you're learning something new. A lot of people are like, I don't know how to market. I've never built a business before. And I tell people like, you know, what's awesome that you don't know how to market. And you know why? Because that means that you've been focused on, we'll go back to your favorite term, you've been focused on building your zone of genius so heavily, so wonderfully, so beautifully, so fully that you haven't even thought about How to sell the thing that you've been working on creating, which is awesome, right? Like that, you're not supposed to be a marketer. Like that's your job is to do the thing you were put on earth to do. And for 99% of people, that's not marketing and sales. So Mm -hmm. that's actually a good thing. What you wanna focus on though is like even with selling. So I tell people, you sell all the time. You sold your partner on what to have for dinner. You sold your parents on where you wanted to eat for your birthday. Like whatever it is you sold yourself on buying a new top, like whatever it is that you're doing, you're selling all the time, multiple times a day. So recognizing like, I have the ability to move someone into the lane that I want them to be driving in. Great. Now you just have to figure out how to transfer those skills to your business. And I think simplifying marketing as a concept is really helpful. Like marketing is not about the tactics as we talked about, or even the customer journey or all these kind of like buzzword or terms. It is about connecting with people you like in places you enjoy spending your time and being really clear about how you do that. So You're not supposed to follow, like gurus only speak guru. They only know the (laughs) blueprint formula that they have taught to teach people to love that blueprint formula. Like we, what we want to focus on is the platform doesn't matter. There's millions of people at a bare minimum on every single social media platform out there today that you would use. There are billions of emails sent and received every single day. There are hundreds of millions of podcast views every single day and of blogs that people read every single day. Like There is a place for you to be, even thousands of people locally who are networking all around you that you probably don't even notice. So all of these things, there is people for you. The issue is not the platform. It's where you like spending your time. So if I was trying to tell you, you wanted to lose 20 pounds, and I said, you have to run every day, and you absolutely hate to run, as much as it would be effective, you wouldn't show up and do it. So you have to find the thing that you're willing to show up and do day after day, come rain, come shine, you're excited about it. When you're excited about it, and you've got that clear offer, and you're anchored in your vision and your mission and your values and you are actually working with the people that you enjoy spending time with, which is inherent because your offer automatically dictates who that's meant for. Now you've got no problem. If you're already spending time on Facebook and you have an amazing offer and these people are like perfect for it, everything kind of aligns. So I think instead of trying to go outside of yourself for a strategy, go inward.
0: You know, I want to pick up something that you said there. And I want to challenge that thought process because you mentioned about, you mentioned something about, you know, if you don't enjoy something, then you're either going to avoid it or don't do it at all. But my analogy is, is that if you're, if you're avoiding something, right. And well, are you, I'll give a great example of the gym, right? So people, people know that they need to lose weight, right? People know that they need to increase their energy and so forth, right? Do they do it? No. And generally because they are, they don't enjoy exercise or for whatever reason that they or whatever it is now i used to be a pt as an example right and um, one of the things that uh one of the things that some of my clients i used to get my clients to do uh, burpees as an example right now everyone hates burpees it's a bit like it's one of those exercises that you just detest because g- na- you <laughs> like okay okay we got a fan here of burpees okay fan of burpees everyone um but generally the reasons why they hate them is because number one is they're no good at them and number two they know that if they keep doing them and they keep doing them, the more that they hate them the more that they get good at them and then suddenly they get the results so Going back to what your statement was, which was, you know, regardless of what you give someone in terms of strategy, how does that fit in with what I've just said? Do you think that they're, do you think from your perspective that actually, if they did do something which was out of their comfort zone or they weren't very good at, do you feel like they would, do you endorse or do you tell your clients to, no, just just do it? Or do you just tell them to just, you know, delegate it out? What's your thoughts?
1: It depends on the client, you know? I think there are some people, I'm one of them. This is why I love
0: burpees. Oh, <laughs> you love burpees, okay, oh yeah, yeah okay.
1: <laughs> This is why I love them. Because there are some people like me yeah. who almost are motivated by the thing that is, they're bad at. Like, I noticed that someone is that type of personality that's like, give me the thing. I'll tell you another quick story. Love storytelling. Um, When I was in college, I rocked finance classes. Like my finance, I would get 100s on every single exam. And I went to a school for finance and accounting historically. It kind of shifted into having some arts programs and other things. But initially it was a finance and accounting school and everyone there, like I won a challenge from PricewaterhouseCoopers that was like coveted, like people, (laughs) like I was great with numbers. And then I took my first marketing class and I got my first B. I had been a 4.0 student. Like I am a studious person. I wear glasses. Okay. Like I'm very studious. I got my first B and I was like, hell no. I am going to learn marketing. I'm going to crush marketing. I switched my major like that minute. I was like, I'm inherently good with numbers. Hate it. I want to do the thing that I'm terrible at, that I want – not terrible, but, like, it's. it was so subjective. It mm. bothered me that this – like, I totally loved my pitch, and this teacher was like, I don't see it as much as you do, and I think you need to work on these things. And I was like, wait, let me convince you. And so I got into this whole career path because I like to be challenged. Now, some of my clients, most of them in the beginning, they need – the low hanging fruit. Mm. They need the quick win, the easy thing. So instead of being like run every day or you're never going to lose the weight, some people might really respond to that. But the majority of people need to feel that sense of accomplishment and that sense of comfort at first to kind of ease into the pool. Like most Mm. people walk into a cold pool. They don't just jump right in. So it's kind of thinking about it in terms of like the early adopters are like the brave ones. They're going to just like go for the gusto. Majority of people are somewhere in the middle. Like we need to ease them into it. And that's what I mean about finding the thing you're actually going to show up and commit to do so you can see some momentum and then you can start to be bolder and notice that you're able to achieve a win. Then you can jump in the pool next time.
0: It's a bit like kind of jumping out of the airplane versus hand holding. Yeah. (laughs) that's kind of like the best way that I kind of subscribe described
1: it yeah I mean and those are very extreme comparisons right like you know you're and you're very rarely in the U.S. if you jump out of a plane you have to have a tandem jumper like Mm. that is a requirement the first time that you jump out of a plane so you can't just like decide take a quick class and then jump out of this plane like you have to have somebody with you and even some of the more experienced jumpers like I have a cousin who's I mean I wouldn't call her experienced but she's gone a handful of times she always goes with a tandem jumper so it's kind of some people just need that and sometimes it's a requirement.
0: Yep love it very cool. Now today's all about like understanding marketing from a human perspective right or human tactical marketing or whatever you want to call it however you want to call it um from your perspective what do you think um people want from you know people that are listening in right now some of our listeners in which are entrepreneurs and leaders what do you feel like a lot of them are still doing what they did maybe a couple of years ago um because you know it's interesting because i spoke about this in a podcast as well around um Kind of this kind of spiritual awakening and people want to feel like they they trust you and you know you've got to build this human connectional element and and things like that. Um from your perspective, what does a, you know, how to be more human when it comes to marketing, what does that mean to you from your perspective? And what are the advantages and disadvantages of that? And does it work?
1: Well, I'm proof that it works. So I actually did a post on LinkedIn the other day in terms of earnings. I'm in the top 6% of entrepreneurs across the world because I make six figures. And it's interesting thinking about, I was always told, this is a really interesting thing that I just remembered. Mm. I was always told that you have to kind of be a shark to survive in the water. like. If you're too if you're like a dolphin and you just want to play and like have fun in the water, you're going to travel, you know, kind of at your own pace and you're there's always going to be sharks that are like grabbing up all the food. Like you're right. just concerned with playing and they're really concerned with like the dollars, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so I used an analogy kind of like the blue ocean strategy, which was a book that I read when I was in school learning about marketing. And it talks all about like the red waters or the bloody waters, all the sharks are there, they're, you know, but that's where the meal is. Like you have to kind of compete and, you know, be in this water. And I was like, you know, I don't love the idea of a blue ocean strategy because a blue ocean is an empty ocean. Like, I don't want to be in an empty ocean by myself. Like there's no one there to buy. There's no, that's why people aren't there. Like I'm going to have to work 10 times harder to get those early adopters to have people see and meet me and all of that. So forget that. What can I do that's kind of in between? And I talk about this concept of a party boat. Like you start off with kind of a raft, you build it on top of the water, but you're still in the waters where all the sharks are. But you build this boat and you play really loud music. (laughs) And it's music you pick, music that sounds like you, right? And then you pick, like, the colors that you want to use. And you start to build, like, a big flag. And then people start to notice you. They hear the music. They join the boat. And then they're like, wait, can I attach my boat to your boat? Yeah, heck yeah, you can. Those are your partners, right? Like, you start to tie the boats together. And suddenly, like, you're dominating the Red Ocean from the top. Like, you're building your party boat and drawing people in. So... Yes, it does work, but it does take work no matter what you do. If you want to learn to be a shark, that takes work. If you want to go to the blue ocean, that takes work. If you want to build your party boat, it still takes work. I think what people are trying to do is like find their quickest path to dollars. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it's a beautiful thing to want to change lives and make money as a result of that. But you have to figure out, again, the same thing with the working out. Like what are you willing to do? Every day to create that result. And so figuring out like as a human, as a human marketer, I say, you know, there are levels of vulnerability. And you don't just want to be vulnerable for the sake of being vulnerable. And you don't want to be vulnerable when it is something that if someone comes at you for being vulnerable, you're still bothered by it. Like Amy Porterfield talks about this concept of scabs and scars. If it's a scab, someone's going to pick at it. It's going to bleed all over the place. But if it's a scar, there's nothing they can do to bother you. You want to be sharing your vulnerability from a place of it being a scar, not a scab. Mm -hmm. So you have to be really mindful of like, what is it about you as a human that makes you unique? Because a lot of people look at differentiators, which is a core part of like branding and marketing and selling is understanding what makes you different as their price point, as the benefit they provide, as the features of their service, as even their branding. But all of those things can be replicated. What are beautiful differentiators are the human elements of your brand, like the energy you bring, your personality, your backstory. These are the things that no one else can replicate. So when I say human marketing, it's just like, how do you care about people? What do you hope for them? Like, what's your deepest desire? And then instead of getting out there and trying to convince people or trying to sell people on what you have to offer, show them, make them feel it. Bring that like no like and trust factor. That's what social media is for. It's to be social. It's to allow people to get to know you and then having that funnel, whatever that looks like, that you drive them through. So once they know you, now they get into your world more. Then they're kind of open to what you sell. Mm -hmm. They're still not wanting to buy it yet. You still have to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Then they want what you sell. You almost want it to be like they've opted in and almost get to the point where, and it could happen all in a single day. This does not have to take months by the way. You could move someone from I just met you, wow that was helpful. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. How do I buy what you sell? Where do I get it? Like that those are your ideal buyers and that's kind of your ideal process and every single person's process looks different.
0: Yep. And I love that because each each of our listeners they all have different businesses and so there's not one what you call a secret recipe, should we say, to to success or whatever that looks like to you, I guess, guys. And I think that's really important. You know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if you saw that. Last week, I hosted a room and it was called vulnerability or sharing vulnerability. Does it damage your personal brand? and so mm. oh my goodness me we was on it for about two hours literally we had a, a well over in excess of 300 people come through the room it was a fascinating topic um but from your perspective you know uh vulnerability um it was interesting we actually had someone that come on right a little bit later on actually towards the end and and when he looked at the title or title of the topic of the show, Does It Damage Your Personal Brand? He was like saying, Yeah, you know, I, I feel like it does damage your personal brand. My dad, um, um, you know, and he talked about his dad and he talked a little bit about the fact that he didn't want to be seen as weak and things like that. And it was just a really interesting cut, co- you know, a really interesting angle to look at it from the perspective of oh yeah, you know, vulnerability is good because it builds trust and human connection. But then we had another guy that was saying, oh, but I don't want my, you know, it was talking about his dad and his dad want him to look as as was a weak and weak in the industry and stuff like that. And it like affects his, uh, affixes, he felt like it affected his authority in his industry and niche. What's your thoughts on the whole vulnerability side of stuff? Do you feel like there needs to, um, uh, Do you feel people should be more vulnerable in this day and age, especially when it comes to marketing and connecting and building trust with people? What's your thoughts?
1: Again, I think it goes back to the individual. Like if you're a person who feels weak based on your vulnerability, like this person seems to be like (laughs) that, you know, like... It's almost like a mirror, right? If you Mm -hmm. feel like this makes me weak, you're going to show up believing that other people will perceive you as weak because of it, right? Right. So it's kind of like that, where if you're someone who you you feel like it's an important part of your story that you want to share and you're just not sure how, find the how, like find the way to do it because it's important. But if you're like, I'm trying to be vulnerable because that's the thing to do, or like that's like the trend <laughs> right now. Don't do it. Like that's, you know, so it it really depends on the person. I will share that I'm in a, a group coaching program for being the best coach I can be. And the person leading that group comes on and coaches us individually on things that we're struggling with. And I'll share a piece of vulnerability here that's a scar, not a scab. When I showed up in the group, I said, you know. I'm really frustrated right now because I have been doing what I do for 15 years and I know I'm great at it. But I also know that these other people, these influencers, these gurus, these, you know, size two blonde models are kind (laughs) of popping up. And they're scooping up all of the people that I know I can help and I know they're not getting results for because those same people they're serving are showing up in my program a year later. Mm -hmm. And it's bothering me and it's annoying me. Like, I feel like I'm not pretty enough. I need to be thinner. I need to have a better wardrobe. Like there's all these things physically about me that I don't, I feel are holding me back and I need coaching on this. Wow. And we went through the coaching And I was just like, I'm so upset. I care so much. I want people to get results. And I got not only a one-on-one client from who was in the group, who was listening to that and was like, I see your content and it's amazing. I follow you. Like, I think you're great. I want to work with you. And that vulnerability, not only did she sign up as a one-on-one client, she also bought lifetime access to my group program at the same time because she wanted a through line to continue to work with me. And it was one of the most beautiful experiences to not only express how I truly felt, but to be seen, to get the help I needed from my coach to own who I am and my strengths and see myself as beautiful, just as I saw myself as brilliant, and then have this person buy something that I knew would help her. And guess what? She just reported as a client she closed two sales in a day and she had not sold anything for months.
0: Wow. And
1: part of that was like seeing what I had been able to do and then believing in me enough to help her and then being open enough to getting the help and then showing up and doing the work and creating the results. So it's just like it perpetuates growth internally and externally so if you do it correctly for you if you find your process to own that vulnerability then it's wonderful but if you're doing it just to do it or if you're doing it without being ready to do it it's a mistake in my opinion
0: yep I agree uh you know there's so many different trends out there right now you know and trends come and go right you know, what I mean? <laughs> I love it. Yes. Some very cool. Some very good stuff. Um, What's going to say to you? I want to go back to what you meant by holistic versus tactical. I know we t- touched on it a little bit about it, but just for the, for clarity in terms of our listeners, what do you, I know what we know what tactical is because we talk about strategy, but when you talk about holistic, how do the two differ between each other in terms of execution?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of people focus on the tactics, which are like one thing at a time, Mm -hmm. almost like the spaghetti at the wall to see what sticks kind of phrasing, right? So you show up and you're like, everybody's on TikTok. I got to be on TikTok. But they don't take a step back and go, okay, how does TikTok work with the rest of the things that I'm doing? And how is that specifically going to allow me to meet people and move them through a very specific process, whatever that looks like? to a result. So it's kind of like how I explain the difference between coaching and therapy. Mm. Therapy is kind of like open-ended, ongoing, you got problems, come here every week, tell me about your problems, (laughs) let's figure it out, right? Like week after week, it's like, you got a lot of problems, you got to keep coming back maybe twice a week, right? And so you do like these things more and more and more, but there's no real like, End date or end result in mind. And with a strategy or with coaching, it is tied to a specific result. So, for instance, when I work with one on one clients, it's a 90 day container. In 90 days, there's a goal at the end of the tunnel. Like that's what we're shooting for. That's what we're measuring benchmarks against. That's what we're designing your plan for. Like if your plan decides to evolve and shift on its own, great. But we still are focused on a result at the end of that container. So, with anything with any sort of strategy like a tactic is like an e-newsletter it's ongoing it just you send it every single week and you hope that people are going to finally see your call to action and click on it at some point right there's no real rhyme or reason to why they would do it so it also makes it less measurable which is what you were focused on in the beginning you were saying like what gets measured gets improved right and a strategy is almost like a campaign. When you, when someone downloads your lead magnet or your freebie or whatever from your website, they join your email list. Your email list moves them through a set of steps that you feel are the perfect set of steps to create the right amount of awareness and the right amount of desire to buy what you sell until you make them an offer. Because you feel equipped to do that because now they've moved through that funnel in a very intentional way. When you make them an offer, you're either going to get a yes or a no. Now, this is the most important part because the campaign will end. The strategy will evolve. So if they say no to that offer, what are you now offering them? How are you moving them through that funnel? So this is what is known as segmentation, right? So you take a part of that list that was engaged but didn't buy and you move them through a new process and funnel to see if maybe that message would resonate better or the people who went through the funnel and did buy. Still go through their own process, whether that is, you know, a welcome series or an upsell series or a downsell series, whatever that looks like, you're kind of moving people through. So it's almost like roads, it's never really ending. They're just connecting in different ways and they loop back around. And it's very like, strategic and intentional and connected but it's not necessarily like a one lane highway that just like goes and goes straight for until the end of time it kind of moves and winds in ways that you might not expect but at the end of the day you always get to the destination
0: love it love it love it now i know that we're coming towards um sort of the end here but i wanted to there was something that um that i have to ask you and it was based on a, convo- a couple of conversations that I've had with pre- uh, recent clients, and, and and you may have experienced this. I'm, I'm guarantee a top dollar that you would have experienced this, but you know, if you have ever worked with clients where you know most of their marketing or most of the uh, the clients or customers that come from are normally from referrals or introductions or you know something similar similar to that, right? With, and there's nothing wrong with that however um obviously it's not a reliable source of lead generation right so my question to you and say for example you have worked with a client and you know you're talking to them a little bit about you've gone through the why okay we talked about um the maybe content marketing for example but how do you deal with clients that are resistant to change when you know for a fact that if they do this, what you tell them to do, it's going to revolutionize and completely change the game in terms of their business. How do you deal with people that are resistance to that change and kind of, you know, they, they, they're stuck in their ways and they just want to do what they but but they want to make a change, but they don't want to. And it's kind of like they're stuck in the middle. How do you deal with those types of people?
1: Yeah. So. Have you ever seen a Venn diagram? Do you know what that is?
0: No, I have not.
1: (laughs) So this is a concept I teach in my program. It's there's one side of it, which is the client's why. Mm. And then there's another side of it, which is your why. So almost two circles Mm. where they overlap is the sweet spot.
0: Oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. I understand. Mm -hmm. So
1: it's that middle of the two. So they have their, not just their why, but also like their willingness, what they're willing to do, their day-to-day schedule, their amount of time, their amount of money, like all of the things that are within their circle and all of the things that are within your circle that you want for them. There is always a place in my belief system that those overlap. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sometimes it's really small. <laughs> this is what it this is what is happening when that person that you're talking about like there is an overlap but it's like tiny. Like yeah. you have to be really good at what you do to be able to show them that piece. So what I would say is just like I would if you're struggling with selling the same principle applies. You're cuz you're selling your client on doing mm. something that you know is going to help them, right? Yep. It's the same thing. Yep. Ask better questions. Curiosity and active listening is the key in this type of situation. So understanding why they're resistant, not making assumptions as to why they're resistant, but asking good questions, asking questions and getting more clear and specific about your side of things, because maybe that is the reason why things are not moving ahead is that they're not clear on what it's going to take or how hard it's going to be or how much time or how much money or any of these types of things. So getting really clear and specific and finding ways to kind of widen that overlapping circle piece to make it clear and easy for both of you to kind of jump in that section of the Venn diagram. So the more questions you ask, the more curious you get, the more you listen to them, the more you might have to bend on your side a little (laughs) bit. Like, I want to make this work for you. What's it going to take? That person might say, I'm just not willing to work four hours a day on this for the next six weeks. Okay, how do we do it in three? And would you be able to do it? What would that look like? And working with them to kind of strategize on what exactly is kind of the bare minimum. Like you've seen it a certain way and believe it will take so much maybe you actually become better at your job because you find a way to do it in three hours when you were doing it in four. And they find a way to be better at their job because they're able to do it in three hours when they weren't going to do it at all.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it's the same for you guys that are listening in, Um, you know, especially if you are in that kind of like stage in your life where you're thinking, you know, that great LinkedIn tactic or whatever it is, and you knew for a fact, but you were just kind of resistant. So I hope that kind of, and you know, I don't know about you, but also kind of like asking those same questions to yourself, to your inner critic, you know, because your inner critic is is asking questions of you all the time. So you've got to make sure that you are armed with the right questions um, in retaliation to that. So um, anyway, this has been a hell of a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> same here yeah thank you for having me
0: well listen guys hope you've enjoyed um today's show um and um what i was gonna say what i what i was gonna say i would highly endorse you everyone that's listening in to connect with justine and uh check out her social media links which we'll put on the show notes below and uh there's a i believe that uh, there's a, there's a little gift in there as well so make sure you check that out as well um justine just want to say thanks very much for being on today's show i appreciate you
1: Thank you so much. The feeling is mutual.
0: And to you guys that are listening, just again, I just wanted to say thank you so much uh to all of our listeners from around the world. Um, according to listen notes, which are the ones that globally rank uh, our podcast we're now in the top 2% in the world so we just want to say thank you to our supporters woo! and our listeners woo woo uh, that's our big win um uh, so if you if you if you could do me a favor if you like the show please give us a one or a five star review and also sh- uh, sh- uh, share and tag uh you know the review and whatever it is and you never know you may be in with a prize anyway listen enough from me enough from Justine hope you have a great week month year whenever you're listening to this and we'll speak to you soon take care and have a good one cheers
1: bye